This is an ABC podcast. Hack. Hey, it's Dave Mark Hazy. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. How many times have you heard on this podcast someone call for an increase to job seeker? Welfare groups, students, all kinds of people pleading for more support, saying it hasn't kept up with the times, you can't live off it, and it needs to rise. Well, for the first time in a decade, it looks like this is going to happen, but not for everyone. If you're a young Australian, you might miss out. Later, we're going to get into these reports that the government's set to announce an increase in job seeker payments in the budget, but only for people over the age of 55. We want to hear what you think of this. First, though, the other big story of the day. Hack. Vaping is already so engrossed in our society that there are so many vapes accessible to people that it won't necessarily affect the use. On Triple Jack. Yeah, late last year we told you about how the government had announced this review into vaping and they were kind of flagging a crackdown later down the track, trying to stop young people getting their hands on vapes. Today, we got the announcement and it's before the budget. You're going to be hearing a bit of budget talk this week and next week. But basically, if you're in the one in 10 young Aussies who regularly vape, it's going to impact you pretty dramatically. Recreational vaping is effectively being banned. You're not going to be able to buy them at shops, only pharmacies. Imports of non-prescription vapes will be blocked. Also, there's going to be restrictions on flavours, on colours. They'll be in what's called pharmaceutical-like packaging. Think cigarette packets, plain packaging, that kind of thing. And there's going to be hike on tobacco tax to try to make cigarettes less accessible. Do you think this is going to work? If you're a big vapor, I want to hear from you. Maybe you're glad this is happening. It's an excuse for you to give up. You want to be forced to give up this addiction. Or, on the other hand, maybe it annoys you. You don't want this to happen. Call in 1300 055536. You can message in as well, 0439 757 First, here's Angel Parsons to take you through the Health Minister's announcement today. Vaping was sold to governments and to communities all around the world as a therapeutic product to help long-term smokers quit. It was not sold as a recreational product, and in particular, not one for our kids. But that is what it's become. The biggest loophole, I think, in Australian healthcare history. If you use vapes, how do you buy them? At a convenience store? Do you have a favourite flavour? Anything apple. Cherry ice. Peach ice. But no other ice. Like, what, are you, what are you thinking? Well, all that is about to change. Vaping has now become the number one behavioural issue in high schools and it's becoming widespread in primary schools as well. This is Federal Health Minister Mark Butler. Today, he announced some huge changes to how vapes are sold, who can buy them and even what they look and taste like. Big Tobacco has taken another addictive product, wrapped it in shiny packaging, added sweet flavours to create a new generation of nicotine addicts. The idea is that non-prescription vapes will be banned from being imported and vapes will only be sold in pharmacies and in pharmaceutical-like packaging. So basically making them look more boring and restricting certain flavours. Single-use disposable vapes will also be banned. And health bodies are really welcoming this news and so are some young people worried about their friends. Personally, I think it's a good idea. I feel like vaping is like next level on smoking. I think it's a pretty good idea. It stops a lot of the youth vaping, which is obviously bad because I've seen people like 12 years old vape. But some think the ban is too far. I think that people should have the freedom to do whatever they want. 
while others are questioning what this will mean if you're actually addicted to nicotine from vapes and whether this will just darken the black market. Yeah, I think it will stop many people vaping. And Would you, like, consider smoking at all if, like, this ban comes into place? Uh, probably. Like, if worst came to worst. <laughs> if that did happen, I couldn't get my hands on one, then I'd probably do that in the time being until I quit. It's really, really accessible for anyone who wants to get one at this point. And it's not legal to sell them in most places and that doesn't stop them. So I don't think this ban is really going to do a whole lot. Like, how do you access your vapes? Petrol stations and stuff like that. They sell them, like, under the counter and stuff like that. Well, that's what the government says will change. It wants to close down the sale of vapes in places like your local convenience store or tobacco shop. The import of vapes for sale in retail settings will end. It's hoped that this will reduce vaping among young people and kids. Here's Queensland's Health Minister, Yvette Dar. Once the laws are changed, I would hope very quickly, once they become a lot less accessible to young people, but importantly a lot less attractive. When you can't buy them, you know, they don't look like highlighters, they don't have pretty colours, they don't taste like bubble gum or vanilla or whatever. It just tastes like nicotine. There's a lot less incentive to want to have them. And another thing to note is the tax on tobacco will increase by 5%. This is all being talked about ahead of the federal budget, which sets out how money will be spent over the next year, and it's being released next week. The 23 to 24 budget will include $737 million to target harm caused by tobacco and vaping products including 63 mil for a campaign to discourage vaping and 30 million to help people quit. And if you're freaking out about this news because you are addicted, well, the health minister reckons there will be supports to help people stop, including changing how GPs can prescribe vapes. To assist in nicotine addiction that has been caused by vapes themselves. But a script is really hard to come by. Only one in 20 doctors are authorised by the TGA to prescribe vapes to those who need it. And we think this has to change because a whole new generation of Australians will need support to quit their new nicotine dependency. And they won't be alone in their quest to kick the habit. Hack on Triple J. Angel Parsons with that story, just hearing from the health minister there. A lot of people messaging through on this one. I saw one comment on Instagram. They said, as someone who is trying to give up so badly, I've been trying for a couple of weeks, I fully support this. Another person, it won't work. People are just going to find workarounds. Somebody else. Josh says, I'm not a vapor, but I'm so sick of government cracking down more and more on society's choices. It's only ever a problem when there's a dollar to be saved in the end. Another person, secondhand vape irritates my asthmatic lungs more than smoke. So I'd be celebrating if I can go to clubs and bars and breathe easily again. That was from CJ in Geelong. And another person, if they're going to ban vaping, why not ban cigarettes and alcohol? Tax is the reason. Look, I want to get into this a bit more now. Dr. Sandro DeMeo is the CEO of Vic Health, and he's been pushing for action in this area for a while now. He is with us. Hey, Dr. Sandro, thanks for coming on Hack. You've been warning about the impacts of vaping on young people for a few years, not only on those who are choosing to vape, but also those who are exposed to secondhand vape smoke. We've been hearing from some of those people on the text line just now. Is this the kind of action that you had been hoping to see? Yeah, look, this is exactly what we are hoping to see. Uh, what the what the Australian government's announced today is a world first. Uh, every country around the world is struggling to respond to this new health crisis and the way that the industry have pushed these products on 
you know, populations, uh, you know, largely backed by the tobacco industry. And to see Australia step up and be back at the forefront of tobacco control with their announcement today uh, is is very heartening, most of all, for the health of Australians. Isn't there a risk that making cigarettes more accessible than vapes could be turning people back to smoking cigarettes? Look, there are two two broad groups that we have to really think about. The first is, you know, very young people. We've got to a point where a third of teenagers in many eastern states are now we're now regularly using these products. They're very easy to find. They're being pushed through social media. They come with unicorns on them in flavors like Fruit Loops and milk, and and uh, designed to be able to be smuggled, looking like a hoodie toggle or a highlighter pen, into school. I mean, clearly the industry have gone after young people, you know, and that's disgusting, illegal and dangerous behaviour and it needs to stop. And these measures will absolutely make, you know, will will add add many protections. So, you know, talking about um, banning the single-use e-cigarettes, introducing minimum standards so that we know what's in them, uh, eliminating flavours and colours and ingredients that we know are associated with cancer and, and damage to the brain and other things, um, but also raising awareness and providing supports for young people looking to quit uh, and, and move off e-cigarettes. I think young, young people are very savvy. Smoking rates among young people are the lowest they've ever been. I don't think that there's a huge risk uh, of them you know, going to cigarettes, but I do think they're going to need support to, to get off um, e-cigarettes, having been really caught by industry. At the other end of the age group, though, are older Australians who might have been you know, and I always talk about um, the truckie who called into ABC Radio one afternoon who's been smoking for 45 years. Um, this bloke deserves to get access to the best possible smoking cessation uh, if he wants to quit. Um, and, you know, that's certainly been a hallmark of the response that's got us to one of the smoke, lowest smoking rates in the world. And so, you know, the Australian government today not only announced tough new measures to protect people against e-cigarettes, but they're going to make them even more available uh, for through a through a doctor with a prescription. If you are trying to quit cigarette, uh, you know normal cigarette smoking, and you've tried everything else, uh, and they're also going to increase supports through things like our quit line uh, and more evidence based ways of quitting smoking. So I think co- the combination of all of those things, uh, you know, we're in a we're in a very safe place, um, and, and hopefully we're back on track to have one of the the lowest rates of nicotine addiction and and smoking rates in the world. Look, I want to get into some of the support mechanisms in a second, but, you know, first we have had so many messages on this, Dr. Sandro, coming through all day. Like Hayley on the New South Wales South Coast says, why can you buy cigarettes without a prescription? Michaela says, you know, we ban vapes in order to prescribe them for people looking to quit very legal cigarettes. Is that right? Like from a public health perspective, for this to really work, should there be more restrictions on cigarettes? Well, absolutely, there should be, and they were announced today as well. So they're increasing the taxes further on cigarettes. Um, they're going to make them less available. Look, I mean, the, the the minister today said, and I don't think there'd be a person, you know, a person in Australia who wouldn't say, if we could have our time again, we would have banned cigarettes from the start. Cigarettes are the only product, if used exactly as the industry who makes them, uh, intends will kill two in three of their long-term users. So we, we we clearly need to make it, you know, give everyone everything possible to quit smoking. And young people uh, smoking, you know, have some of the lowest rates of smoking 
uh, ever and in the world here in Australia, which is great news, but we need to continue to support uh, people to quit. So for most young people who have never smoked before, taking up an e-cigarette is not a way of getting off cigarettes. It's a pathway to cigarettes and, and all of the disastrous health consequences. So protecting the Australian population from this new uh, and rapidly growing health threat at the same time, doubling our efforts to support Australians to quit smoking, uh, you know, absolutely needs to go hand in hand. Uh, making them less, making cigarettes less available, less appealing, uh, and and that's exactly what the government's done today. I mean, there's been a lot of debate for a few years now about the health impacts of vaping, and obviously there is still a lot we don't know. What do we know, though, from a medical perspective? If you're speaking to young people now who are addicted to vaping, what should they be knowing about the impacts on their health? Well, look, these products contain hundreds of chemicals, including chemicals commonly found in paint stripper, nail polish remover, uh, chemicals we know are associated with cancer and, and damage to the brain long term. Uh, you know, they haven't been around long enough to see significant health consequences. So basically, you know, when we look at cigarettes, it took about 50 years uh, from the start of smoke, from the peak of smoking to the peak of cancer. Um, and, you know, if we had known what we knew today, uh, we would have absolutely avoided millions of lost lives and pain and suffering uh, by acting earlier. These, these uh, you know, e-cigarettes contain a mix of toxic chemicals, but even nicotine itself uh, affects the developing brain. Um, your brain doesn't stop developing until probably a late 20s. And nicotine does have a powerful effect on the physiology of your brain. And then there's all of the other things, the, the way that it affects your gum and your teeth, uh, the way that it affects uh, your mouth, uh, and then uh, the risks from the other things in the e-cigarettes that are really poorly made, including lithium uh, and, other, and other elements. Um, so we don't know the long-term health consequences, which is a reason why we should be very, very cautious. Uh, but we do know that many of the chemicals contained in these products are associated with long-term health damage. Uh, and and that's, that's a very good reason uh, to be extremely cautious and put these protections in place. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Dr. Sandra DeMeo from Vic Health about this vaping crackdown announced by the federal government today. Dr. Sandra, the people already hooked, and you spoke about this a bit earlier about trying to give them the tools to get away from their addiction. The health minister was speaking today about stopping a generation becoming addicted, but I feel like it's already happened. Like you mentioned the statistics before. How do you support people who are fully hooked on vapes? What does that look like? Yeah, look, and and I just want to start by saying to those young people, you know, where this is not about blame or shame. I mean, the industry has very um, carefully and cleverly manipulated uh, an entire new generation with these products. That's why we need to make services available and we need to improve our understanding of these products through campaigns like we had for tobacco very effectively for many generations. So, if young people are looking for information, I would encourage them to call the quit line on 137848, have a chat or have a chat to your GP, even speaking to your friends, you know, about how you're feeling and, and acknowledging that 
um, you know, maybe it's difficult to get through a whole day without without using the vape. Um, you know, the, these can all be helpful measures as we start to think about, um, you know, getting off what is an addictive and dangerous product. But ultimately, you know, I really, as a doctor, I'd really encourage people to um, have a chat to your GP or call, call the quit line where there are, um, you know, experts available uh, and, uh, you know, there and willing to, to give advice and, and uh, uh, you know, insights on, on what to do next. All right, Dr. Sandra DeMaio from Vic Health. thank you very much for joining us on Hack. Thank you. And we've got a lot of messages coming through. Somebody on the text line says, vaping helped me quit smoking and save so much money. This is going to devastate me. Another person says, hey, Dave, this is Ty from Sydney. G'day, Ty. Ty says, I've been a smoker for over 10 years, just got into vapes about a year or two ago to quit. I'm a bit confused as to why we can't just get asked for ID so kids can't access them. Got a lot of messages saying that, ask for ID instead. Um, Someone else says, increasing the tax doesn't help long-term addicts. It causes more issues for those who can't stop the addiction whilst increasing revenue for the government. That's from Chris in Melbourne. A few people saying that as well. Then we've got a lot of other people as well saying we fully support this. We're right behind these measures by the government and, you know, we have vaped or know people who vape and we want to get off it. We've got some people on the line. Chris is there. Hey, Chris, what's your take? Oh, I think it's an uh, interesting take on how it's going to pan out being police of imports because so much comes into the market undetected into Australia currently through customs. Yeah. So it's up to the Australian Border Force to make an impact if it's going to make a difference. Okay. If not, it's a pointless change. Well, look, and I think that's a lot of people have had questions about that, about how, um, you know, Border Force is going to stop all these vapes coming into the country. Um, look, that's definitely something that the government will be answering a lot more questions on, I can imagine. Thank you, Chris. We've got Sophie on the line from Brisbane. Sophie, what's your take on all this? Yeah, hey, how's it going, Dave? Yeah, good, good. What are, Have you been a vapor? Uh, yes, I have actually for about two years now. So um, I've been smoking cigarettes from the age of 15. Now, actually, that's smoking like full on since 15 years old. But I actually tried my first cigarette when I was 11 years old. Now, I remember back when I was in high school, everyone was smoking cigarettes. You know, they were finding ways to get people, older people to buy them, whether siblings, older friends, etc. But um, I do, I do absolutely agree that they are more appetising. Um, you know, it is more appetising, like the flavours and everything like that. But in saying that, they, you know, there's thousands, there's over twenty thousand chemicals in in just a general cigarette. But in a um, e-cigarette, uh, you know, there's supposedly just three ingredients, which is supposed is supposedly well, better. And, and Sophie, the, I guess the hard thing is we don't know exactly what is in all um, of the e-cigarettes vapes that are on the market, and that is what Dr. Sandra DeMeo was just saying. But, hey, I appreciate your call in. Thank you very much uh, for, for sharing your experience, someone who's been a smoker for a long time. Look, there are so many people uh, uh, who want to talk about this. Unfortunately, we've got to move on, but there's another big story making news today. This proposal is going to leave the same number of people in poverty if it happens than if it doesn't, but we will have more age discrimination in the welfare system. On Triple Jack. Yeah, it's budget time, almost. 
next week, the Albanese government handing down its budget. Look, we're not going to bombard you with every detail over the next few days, but with the state of things right now in Australia, I feel like a lot of you struggling to get by are probably a bit interested in what is in this budget, especially if there's stuff relating to you. And some reports today might have surprised you. There are reports the government's going to increase job seeker, but only for older Australians. So where does that leave everyone else, like the majority of people on JobSeeker? Well, Hacks Canberra reporter Shalala Medora is with us in Parliament House. Shalala, what do we know about this JobSeeker announcement? Hey, Dave. So just a little bit of context here before we get into that. Labor has been facing so much pressure to raise the welfare rate, particularly because, as all of our audience knows, cost of living is massive right now. And also because Labor came into office saying, no one's going to be left behind. We're going to be talking about equality. So there's so much pressure on Labor at the moment to raise the rate for those particularly vulnerable groups of people on fixed incomes. Now, about this report, we don't actually know a whole lot. Yesterday, Seven News reported that there was going to be a modest increase in payments to people who are over the age of 55 and on JobSeeker. And at the moment, over 60s already get about $50 more a week than other um, welfare recipients. So what we're expecting is that the government's actually just going to lower that increased rate to about 55. Right, okay. So why is the government focusing on over 55s? Yeah, look, there are some really good reasons. There are particular challenges for older age groups on JobSeeker. Women aged 55 and older are now the single biggest group of job seeker recipients. A decade ago, that was young men. Employees also are sometimes really, employers, I should say, are sometimes really reluctant to hire older people because they think they're close to retirement. So they're like, what's the point of this? And they're also the age group that's the most likely to be long-term unemployed. And we know that if you've been out of work for a really long time, it's much harder to actually get back into work. So there are some really good reasons that the government's focused focusing on this age group. So, Shalala, the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, was asked this afternoon about the financial struggles being faced particularly by young Australians. This is what he had to say. We will be very conscious of the pressure on younger Australians in the budget. Uh, And we know uh, that Australians, particularly vulnerable Australians, are doing it tough across the board. Uh, And the reason why I've cautioned you against assuming uh, what's in or not in the budget is because we should look at what the government announces next Tuesday night in its entirety. Right, OK, that's what we tend to hear in the days before the budget, where you hear the Treasurer, the Prime Minister being like, wait and see, wait and see, it'll be in the budget, it'll be in the budget. Is there any indication, though, Shalila, that the government's going to do anything for young people? Not at this stage, Dave. Keep in mind the maximum rate for youth allowance for single people with no kids is less than 15 grand a year. And young people on youth allowance, they have the same kind of costs as older Australians. They have to pay commercial rates of rent. They have to pay for food, for energy, which has soared recently. So they are an age group that's paying a lot of their um, income on these really basic necessities and are cutting corners as a result. Youth allowance is also slightly different from JobSeeker 
data because it's only indexed once a year. JobSeeker is indexed twice a year. So in a high inflation situation like the one we're in, young people lag even further behind. And there's also a lot of pressure for governments to increase or change rental assistance. Um, So there could be some movement there. There's a lot of pressure in that sense. So I'll be combing through all the budget papers next Tuesday to check if there's anything in them for vulnerable young Australians. I promise to report back. Yeah, you will. As always, Shalala, those budget papers, pretty intense, but you always do such a good job of breaking it down every year. And we want to know what areas exactly are people interested in? So if you go to Hacks Instagram, you can check out our stories. There's some info there. You can tell us what you want to hear about specifically in this budget. Political reporter Shalala Madora, thanks for chatting with us. Thanks, Dave. And then we're going to go now to somebody else who uh, might have a bit of an opinion on this whole job seeker situation. We've got um, Curran from regional Victoria on the line. He's on income support. Hey, Curran, what what situation are you? Are you on youth allowance or job seeker? Well, g'day. Um, Thank you for having me. Um, I'm currently on youth allowance, so I'm a student at the moment. Okay. And how tough are things at the moment for you? Uh, I mean, look, it's never been great on youth allowance, I will say, um, but due to yeah inflation at the moment, due to uh, the after effects of the COVID pandemic, uh, it's just the dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. It really is um, something that you would expect to have 20 years ago, not now. Okay, I could imagine you'd be pretty pissed if the government raised payments for older Australians, but not younger ones. Oh, absolutely. And I think so. I'm my background is youth work and social work. So I understand that, um, you know, the demographic that has been rumored to have the raise, um, you know, women over 55, that is an area that actually does need our attention. Um, And I argue that's actually a really great step forward for the government. You know, we know women who are over 55, they are less likely to have enough super to retire on. They're less likely to have community supports. They are divorced or have fled domestic violence. So I agree 100% that we actually do need to allocate resources there. Um, but on the other hand, leaving behind so many Australians who are working every day to try and make their lives a be- and make Australia a better place, it's just like a slap in the face. Well, hey, I Corinne, mean- thank you very much for, for calling in with your experience. We do appreciate to hear from people who are experiencing this. Thank you so much. You know, there's a politician who is campaigning very hard on JobSeeker and an increase at the moment. It's independent Senator David Pocock. You know him. He's with us now. Senator, thanks for coming on Hack. Evening, Dave. Thanks, yeah, you just heard from Corin there about how tough it is at the moment on income support. You speak with government MPs regularly. Is there any indication that you have that there will be some relief in sight for young people? No, n- nothing that I have, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, obviously, want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but we know this is an issue. We've seen 14 Labor MPs break ranks on this issue we know that so many Australians are doing it tough. And you know, amidst all the talk about the budget deficit and, and how tight budgets are, I keep reminding politicians that budgets are tight across the country. You know, if you're someone youth allowance and you have $562.80 a fortnight, you know what, the, what a tight budget is like. And I'd argue when budgets are tight, let's prioritise Australians. Let's not entrench disadvantage for young people. There will be some people listening thinking, oh, young people on JobSeeker need to try harder to get into work. Like we've got someone on the text line now saying JobSeeker's there to support you to get a job. It's not meant to be a full income. Um, what do you say to that, Senator? So we had a, a report from a, a bunch of experts, you know, economists, people who work in social work, the Business Council of Australia, uh, unions, and they said that 
currently job seeker is so low that it's actually an impediment to people getting back into work. People on job seeker are living in poverty. They are stressed. They don't know where they're, uh, how they're going to pay for, you know, food, medicine, you, you know, electricity bills. That is a not, not a good situation to be actively looking for, for work. So it's, you know, it's doing the opposite. What will you do, Senator, or can you give any assurance if there's no substantial help for young people in this budget, you know, what kind of what kind of work can you do to advocate on behalf of young people? Because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of our listeners, who feel like their voices are not being heard in Parliament. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was one of those people really frustrated with, uh, with politics and, you know, now I'm in it trying to raise these issues that are, that are important for our communities, for the kind of future that we want to build together here in Australia, look, looking after people. And we're one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We can do it. So, my, you know, my role, I'll keep pushing them hard on this. I'm, I'm not the government. I'm not the treasurer. I don't get to decide these things, but I can continue to remind them what we're in there to do, and that is to make decisions that are good for our future as a country. And I would argue that a country that has one in six children growing up in poverty uh, should probably prioritise addressing that. Hey, we've got someone on the text line, Otto, who says, just build one less submarine, which I know is a point that you've kind of made in the past in terms of where we find this money. Look, Senator David Pocock, we do appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on Hack, and we'll probably speak to you soon, I imagine. Cheers, Dave. Thanks for having me. Big thanks again to all our guests. That's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. Hack on Triple Jack.